you. Thank you, Lois, for sharing uh, with us. Um, we anticipate and, and look forward to hearing from, uh, from the rest of our people. I think we have maybe like whoop, uh, whoop, a few more people who will be sharing uh, their testimonies in the weeks to come. We are, uh, how close are we, 19 days from Christmas now? Oh, my goodness, that's crazy. Uh, it's beginning to look and feel a lot like Christmas, isn't it? It's getting uh, kind of cold. Uh, I almost saw my breath the other day. <laughs> um, I did see snow the other night. Can I tell you? Honestly, I saw snow here in Orlando. I was at SeaWorld, <laughs> and uh, they had this like Christmas celebration going on, and uh, snow started falling outside of this one restaurant, and it was amazing, and the kids were running around and, and playing, and it was beautiful. And we, at least we could dream that it was uh, real snow because that's what Christmas does. It evokes hopes and longings and dreams and, and expectations. Christmas is a time to hope, isn't it? A time where you wish and think and wait and long and pray for the fulfillment of all of those dreams. I know you may do that. I used to do that. Our kids have done this. See, uh, when kids are little, they make these Christmas lists and Pardon the poor penmanship, but I wanted to show you some of what uh, Manny and Elijah want for Christmas. Okay, so here's Manny's Christmas list. Um, you can't really, it is going to be really hard to read because the spelling is off. Uh, she wants more digibirds that come with a case and food. Okay, that's number one. Number two is ice skates. Number three is a Barbie pop-up camper. Number four is more Shopkins. <clears throat> number five is dress-up. I don't know what that means. <laughs> number six is leap pad games. See, uh, leap pad games. Right? Number seven is leotards. <laughs> number eight is a princess makeup kit with makeup and nail polish and jewelry. Um, nine, ten, and eleven. I'm not quite sure what they are, but uh, these are some of the things that she wants. Elijah, uh, he can't write yet, but he dictated Elijah's Christmas list to Manny. Paw Patrol toys, a Paw Patrol bike, Paw Patrol phone, (laughs) Paw Patrol guitar, Paw Patrol Play-Doh, Paw Patrol shoes, Paw Patrol toy car, a Paw Patrol real car that you can ride. Uh, Christmas is a time to wish. (laughs) and to hope and to long. Maybe uh, one of these wishes or two of these wishes that they're longing and dreaming and hoping for uh, will be realized because that's what Christmas is a time for. Maybe you come in here today uh, with hopes and wishes and longings. Maybe they're not as simple as that. Maybe they're longing for something uh, much deeper. Uh, Maybe your longing is for a sense of peace that has been evasive for all these years, even as you sit in the rows of a church. Maybe you're longing for the day that financial hardship will no longer be a prayer request, but it will be uh, the back end of an answer to prayer or the front end of an answer to prayer where you praise God for seeing you through. Maybe it's for a wayward child or for a, a wandering parent, and your longing is for Our family, just for one day, I just wish my family would be united. Christmas is a time of longing 
It's a time of wanting and hoping and wishing. A time where miraculous dreams tend to come true. We don't need to live on 34th Street to understand that this is a time. If there ever was a time for us to dream and to hope for a miracle, it would be the season of Christmas. Maybe it's because that first Christmas was shrouded in that sense of expectation, not only in the expectation that the Savior of the world was going to come, but even before that, as Luke records the gospel story, as Luke records the story, the true story of that first Christmas when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, he actually backs that story up to another miraculous birth, to another couple that was waiting and longing and expecting for the fulfillment of their long prayed prayers. We're going to read from Luke chapter 1, uh, verses 5 through 25, and I want to talk about and set this culture of expectation that encapsulates the heartbeat of the Advent season. It's a season to long and to wait and to prepare and to seek that which we are waiting for. Luke chapter 1, we're going to read verses 5 through 25. Um, It's 20 verses. It's Maybe a little bit longer than you're used to reading, but it's all a narrative and it's very simple uh, to read. So if you could follow as we hear this true story of Zechariah and Elizabeth. This is God's word. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them... Both of them, check this out, verse 6, were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well along in years. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, He was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. Many of the people of Israel will he bring back to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man, and my wife is well along in years. The angel answered, I am Gabriel, I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their proper time. Meanwhile, the people are waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. 
When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. This is God's word. Uh, Zechariah is a priest, and so his life is spent doing the priestly duties. And there were uh, just a ton of priests at the time. I think there was people say from 18,000 to 22,000 priests living in that period, in that time. And so uh, they were broken up into different groups. And it would be in that time when it was their time of duty that they would go and they would do the priestly duties of lighting the incense and, and things like that. And so as a priest, what Zechariah would do is he would carry the prayers of the people before him. And in his heart, he would bring the collective longings of his nation. For 400 years, you remember this intertestamental period between the time of the Old Testament being completed with the last prophet Malachi and the time that the first New Testament prophet began to speak. There are 400 years where God was silent. He did not speak. And Zechariah and Elizabeth were living during this time. And so the longing of the people of God was, can God, will God speak? And if he does, will he send his deliverer, the one who will redeem, the Messiah, uh, or Messiah in Hebrew, Greek, is called the Christ. When will he send the Messiah to us to fulfill our long-awaited hopes and dreams for deliverance for the people of God? And so they're waiting and they're watching and they're hoping and they're wishing and they're longing and they're praying for the day that all of their hopes and dreams would come true. And in his heart, he carries the collective desires of a nation and he brings it before God as he comes into the temple. But intermingled with those prayers are his own long-awaited dreams and long-awaited desires for his own prayer to be answered. Because it says in uh, verse 7, they had no children because Elizabeth was barren and they were both well along in years. So they're getting very old, very old. If you watch the movies of them, they've got gray hair, white hair, and, and he's got a beard. They're old. And they're longing and they're waiting. And so at the beginning of this account, we see Zechariah coming, longing, desperate, wanting, wishing, disgraced because of the situation that they're in. And at the end of this passage, we see that there has been a fulfillment. The prophecy has been given that all of their desires and all of their hopes and all of their longings will be fulfilled within the year or so. So at the beginning, again, the longing, at the end, the fulfillment. At the beginning, the wishing, at the end, the miracle. And in between, something happens that takes them from where they were to where they longed to be. From that place of desire to the place of fulfillment. And what is it that happens? Because that's huge in instructing us. For all of us who long for something, all of us who are here longing for a miracle, all of us who are longing for something, who have dreams and desires and unanswered prayers that have been going on for weeks and months and years and even decades for some of us. How do we go from that place of longing to the place where that miracle has its insight and the promise given that your miracle will be given to you? 
There's just a couple things that I want to point out that Zechariah and Elizabeth teach us. The first thing is while you wait for a miracle, while you wait for your miracle, be faithful. While you wait for your miracle, be faithful. You know, Christmas does evoke a lot of dreams and hopes and wishes. But at the other, on the other side, for those who have hoped and wished and longed year after year after year only to see disappointment, Christmas is the opposite of hope. It's a time of despair. It can be a time of disappointment, can't it? I, I remember a few years back, um, I asked some of our people at, at Harvest, hey, can you tell me about the worst Christmas that you ever had? And um, a few people sent back some answers. And one of, one of our, one of our uh, men of harvest said, <clears throat> there was this one time I was little. I was a little, little kid and um, wasn't too, too little, but, but young. And his mom said that she didn't have time to buy a Christmas gift for him. And so she gave him money and said, go buy something for yourself as your Christmas gift. And so he took that money and he got on his bicycle. And he said all day long he rode his bike looking for a store that was open on Christmas so that he could buy himself a Christmas gift only to realize that there was not a store in sight that was open. And so he went home that day dejected that he could not get himself a Christmas gift. He said, that was the worst Christmas ever of my life. Sometimes Christmas can be disappointing. Maybe there's another one. I forget if this was a a guy or a girl who said this, but uh, they were in college. I think it was their freshman year in college. They're living in a dorm. Maybe if, if you're here, you can help me out. <clears throat> but they're living in, in, in their dorm, and their RA had sent out, the resident advisor had sent out a notice to all of their parents and all of their families saying, hey, it's finals week. Can you send a care package for, uh, for, your, for your son or daughter? In addition to a care package, can you send a Christmas gift? Because we're going to have an end of the school year, end of the semester, Christmas gift exchange. And so everyone got their gifts. And time of the party came, and everyone was so excited as they opened up their care package, they opened up their gift and, and all that stuff. They said even the international student from a foreign country had gotten their care package, gotten their Christmas present. And what this person got, I forget who it was again, they got this tin of Reese's peanut butter cups, <laughs> and their name was written on it, unwrapped. Their name was written, uh, written on it in the handwriting of their RA. <laughs> and they said, that was the worst, most disappointing Christmas of my life. Right? That's sad, isn't it? Maybe for some of us, we have been disappointed at Christmas. Maybe last Christmas, uh, you gave someone your heart, and the very next day, <laughs> they gave it away. I don't, know. <laughs> I don't know what your Christmas disappointment is like. But if we can be a bit more serious, maybe your disappointment falls in line with the disappointment of people like Zechariah and Elizabeth. Right? They've been longing. For so many years, right, in this culture, in this culture where they believed in the Jewish teaching, right, wasn't the biblical teaching per se, but the Jewish teaching was that children are a gift from God. Therefore, if you have not had children, then somehow you are seen as being out of favor with God. Now, that was a perception in the minds. It's, it's, it's challenging today, but it was exponentially more so in the time that Elizabeth was living. It's interesting, isn't it, how so many people throughout the Bible, so many matriarchs and women of God are barren, unable to have children, given that kind of a culture. And so she's got that grief, and she's got that mourning, and she's got that longing. And every year, 
year after year, the unfulfilled longing and the unfulfilled dream and the seemingly unheard prayers of both her and her priestly husband. What would you do if you were Zechariah, if you were Elizabeth? For not only years, but for decades, you're praying. Decades they're praying. They're well advanced in years. Zechariah says, I'm old. this is kind of funny here. It says when the angel comes to him and says, you're going to have a baby. Verse 18, he says, I am, how can I be sure? I am an old man. And look how he describes Elizabeth. And my wife is well along in years. He, this is very, like, he's kind. I'm an old man and my wife is an old woman. He doesn't say that. He says, I'm an old man, and she's well along in years. This is a man who knows either political correctness or he knows he doesn't want to sleep on his sofa. But here's a person who understands that they're old, and it takes a miracle in order for this to happen. But for all of these years, they're longing, and they're waiting, and they're seeking the disappointment of not only being barren, but as both of them in the priestly line, both of them are religious people, both of them are a praying people, but their prayers seem to have fallen on deaf ears. It's one thing to have a difficult situation. We all face things like that. But it's another thing to feel like your prayers are being ignored by God. How would you respond if you were them? Maybe some of us are in a position like that. Again, you've been praying for something for a long time. And this Christmas, you're just hoping. Maybe that sometimes, some mornings you just wake up hoping that the person in your life who's ill will be healed hoping that maybe today is a day that that wayward brother is going to come back home and say, I I found Jesus. Hoping and wishing and praying that all that is wrong is going to be made right. How would you respond if you were Zechariah and Elizabeth? Some people doubt. They've They've been handed this lot in life and they've been praying and praying and praying and nothing. Some people will doubt. God, I don't know, you're not there. You must not be real. Other people will pout. This stinks. Nobody else is in a situation like me. Nobody else has it the way that I do. Nobody else has been handed a bum lot like I have. Some pout. Some people shout, shout, let it all. They, they get angry, and they just go off. How, how does Zachariah and Elizabeth respond to the disappointment of all of these years, of all of these decades of longing for something, of praying for something, only to see nothing happen. How do they respond? It says in verse 6, both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. And if you read in verses 8 through 10, Zechariah was faithful to his priestly duties. And then it says in verse 13, do not be afraid, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. How, does, how do they respond? In the, in, in the face of all of these discouragements, all of these disappointments, all of these things that seem to be going against them, uh, they remain faithful to God. Uh, this, is, I mean, this is huge. Right? Can I tell you that the best preparation for your miracle is being faithful to God with what you know he's called you to do. The best preparation for a miracle is for us to be faithful to what God has called us to do. Because a lot of times, here, we want and we wait and we wish. We wait for something. I've been waiting 10 years for something, you say. But here's what a lot of our waiting is. 
Hey, I'm waiting for my, my, my uh, grandma to get saved. I'm waiting for my, my brother to come to know the Lord. I'm waiting for, uh, for my sister to be healed. But here's our waiting. I'm waiting, God. I'm waiting, God. I'm waiting, God. Let's see what's on TV. I'm waiting. I'm twiddling my, thing. That, um, my thumbs. That's what we're doing. It's a passive waiting. And we, we're, we're doing nothing in order to be faithful to God, but we're just seeking and waiting. And people say, hey, how's your relationship with God? And all we say is, we're, uh, I'm just still waiting. I'm disappointed in God because he's not pulling through for me. I've said this, I say this a lot recently. We want the best from God. We all want the best from God. But can I ask, are you giving your best to God? Everybody wants the answer to prayer. Everybody wants the miracle. But are you being faithful to God? Everybody wants to have a a great, perfect life. Everyone wants to have their addictions broken. Everyone wants to have hope fulfilled and dreams become real. Everyone wants to get married if we're single. But what, what are we doing? Can I ask you, are you giving your best to God? You want your job, you want your transfer, you want to get into that college, and you don't get in, and we blame God. But can I ask, are we being faithful to what we know we ought to be doing before the Lord God? We all can, we all want. But when it comes down to it, and rather than being faithful, we as a people are more, more inclined to pout and to doubt and to shout than it is we are to be faithful to God. I know I am. I'm praying for stuff in my life. I'm praying for stuff in in my family, for people that I care about, for families that I care about, for people in our church. I'm praying for things. I want God to show up. You better believe I do as much as you do. I've got needs. You've got needs. I've got longings. You've got longings. When you share your longings, these become my longings. I pray for these things too. But it's easy sometimes for me to doubt, and it's easy for me to complain. And it's hard to go the long road of obedience, a long obedience in the same direction. Can you imagine all, I don't know how many years it is, 30, 40 years that these guys are praying and seeking and just being faithful to God. Being faithful. Faithfulness, guys, is the best preparation for you to receive your miracle. Being faithful to God. Again, we all want those things. We all long for things this Christmas. But what does it mean for us to be faithful to God? What does it mean for you to be faithful to the call that God's placed in your life? If you're a a child, it means you be obedient and honor your parents. If if, if you're a parent, then it means that you raise and you disciple your children. You pray faithfully for them. If you're a Christian, it means you come to church as a baseline. You you, you faithfully give yourself to the Lord God. You pray. This is one of the things that they were faithful in doing. The Lord has heard your prayer. The, 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 The... the connotation, right, the assumption is that they've constantly been praying for these things, even in the face of seeing nothing that God was doing. The Bible teaches us a lot of things about prayer, but one of the main and chief teachings about prayer is that we are to persist in prayer. See, the culture of the world says you should expect instant gratification. And can I tell you how much I think instant gratification in this microwave culture and next day shipping, even today's shipping, is destroying the very fabric of discipleship within churches because God doesn't work that way. Do you know how many times in the Bible God says to wait? There are not many times where God says hurry quickly. There are times where he says today do something. There there, there are certain times where he says to do something. 
the time I can remember God saying, quickly do something, is when the lost son has come back home. And he says, quickly, let's throw a party for him. Because to the father, that was a long time. He was out there for a long time. Constantly, right, the, 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 the witness of Scripture is that we patiently wait, and as we wait, we're faithful. And Jesus, when he talks about prayer, right, here's this, this great teaching in Luke 11. He says, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. But why is it that so often when we ask, we don't receive? I'm seeking, I ain't finding, I'm knocking, ain't no doors opening up for me. Why? Because when Jesus gives that teaching, the tense of the word, not the tent, but the tense, right, grammar of the word is a continual present tense. In other words, here's what he's saying. To everyone who keeps on asking, he will receive. To the one who keeps on seeking, he will find. To the one who keeps on knocking, the door will be open to them. They were faithful in doing the very thing that God had called them to do. They were faithful in the mandates of their call. They were faithful in praying. And because of their faithfulness, it laid the foundation and the seedbed for the seed of the miracle to be planted within those hearts. The first thing that we see is that while we wait for our miracle, uh, be faithful. The second thing that we see is that in our waiting, that God is always working. That God is always working while we are waiting. Have you had to wait for something? A couple times this week I had to wait for things, and I was thinking about it this week. Uh, I was driving on a chase road out in Windermere, and I had to wait for about five minutes because there was construction going on on the roads. And so I had to sit there and I had to wait. Some cars chose not to wait. They turned around and, and, and they drove a longer route because there's no quicker route to get to, to any other place that that road takes us. They chose to drive a little bit longer rather than to wait. You like that ever? Like, I'd rather be doing something than waiting. Uh, there's another time this week where we were waiting. I'd ordered a, a new Bible for Manny because she really wanted a Bible. So we ordered a Bible and we were waiting for it to come. And we're tracking it on Amazon, and finally it came on Friday. We had to wait because it took time for that Bible to be delivered. We wait for things all the time, and it's usually seen as this is a necessary evil in life. There's a study, a guy named Stephen Larson from MIT did the study, and he said the average person, the average life, spends two years of their lives waiting in line. How do you feel about that? Based on the size and the smiles, you think, man, that's two years of wasting my life. According to the world, you're right. Time spent waiting is time wasted. That's what we think. But in the biblical economy, waiting is never wasted because God is always working even as we wait. Do you know that you're waiting as you wait for a miracle, as you wait for a prayer to be answered, as you wait for your longings to be fulfilled? Even in the midst of that, when it seems like nothing is happening, can I tell you that God is working? 
Jesus says in John, I think it's John 5, my father is always working. Even when it seems like all we're doing is waiting. Thursday night before Elijah went to bed, he was playing with these two uh, cars. He had a truck and had a police car. And he came to me with this ribbon, uh, kind of the ribbon that, you, uh, I don't know what this string is called. It's string that you use to tie Christmas presents or whatever presents string. And he brought, he, he somehow got a piece, maybe uh, Olivia had given it to him, but he brought this string and he said, Daddy, Daddy, can you tie my two cars together? I want the police car to pull the truck. And so I said, okay, I'll, I'll try and do that. I said, while, while I do that, why don't you go brush your teeth? And he said, okay, Daddy. And he went to get his toothbrush and and so there really is not a place on these cars to, to tie it. And so I'm trying to slip it through this little hole. And, and I was working, and you know, the, 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 it's not like regular string. It's very difficult. These things are hard for me. Okay? So I'm working on it. And Elijah comes back. He's like, Daddy, are you done yet? I said, no, Daddy's not done yet. I said, why don't you go and get a drink of water and come back? And, and, and Daddy's almost done. He said, okay. And he goes and he, he comes back. He's like, Daddy, are my, are my cars tied together yet? And I said, no, not yet. Daddy's still working on it. And so he was growing frustrated and impatient. And so he leaned over on the bed. He put his head on the bed. And he's like, ah, Daddy, when is it going to be ready? I said, almost done, almost done, right? almost done. And when I got, finally I got in, I said, Elijah, uh, I'm done, but you have to understand something. Okay? While you were waiting, Daddy was working. He doesn't see that. He doesn't understand that. All he thinks is, it's not ready yet. I'm waiting. What's going on? Why is it taking so long? But the whole time this is happening, his daddy was hard at work trying to tie these two silly cars together. But I was. I was working. Even when he didn't see it. Do you know that when you're waiting, and in your waiting, that there's a God who's working in order to do in you what you long for him to do. The God who made the promise is the God who will fulfill. The God who hears your prayers as you lift them up before him. See, in the world, the world walks by sight. And so if they don't see what's going on, they don't see the reason for the waiting, it's wasted time. But we walk by faith and not by sight because God is always working. Don't you see in all the, these passages what Abraham and Sarah had to wait so long for that baby to be born? Because God was teaching them that you who are rich and have everything, the richest person in the world, there's something that you long for that money cannot buy. And it's a child. And you, if you're going to be the father of faith, you need to understand what faith is. And so God was building a faith within them so that when it came time for the answer to their prayers to be given, there would be absolute clarity as to where this child came from. Moses, 40 years in the desert, destined to be the prince of Egypt. And yet God had him tending sheep for 40 years of his life. Why? All Moses wanted, I want to be the deliverer of my people. I don't want to be a shepherd of the sheep. But God said, listen, if you're going to be the shepherd of Israel, you need to learn what it is to shepherd lesser things first. God was working. You see, if, it was just a, if it's just about the miracle, that's easy. Savior, you can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. If it's just about the, the person I'm praying for, God just saved them, that's easy. 
maybe God wouldn't need, to, need, need us to wait. But here's the hard thing. While we're waiting for the miracle to be given, it's us that God is working on. And maybe we're not willing to cooperate with God. And so he waits and works to mold us. My mentor, my pastor, IJ, got married when he was 40 years old. He's the most godly man that I know. 40 years old, and he said God waited because I still needed, he still needed to do work in my life. I was not ready to be able to lead a woman, let alone a family. And that guy's as close to Jesus as I know. But he's like, God needed to work on me. And I'm not saying for all of us, that's why we're not getting married. Right? I'm not saying, but, there, but I am saying that in the waiting, God is working. That's the point. That God is working in us while we wait. He's molding us and he's making us. Why? What was it? I, I, it doesn't say clearly, but I think there's a couple of things that are going on here. The child born to Zechariah and Elizabeth would be, and he makes it clear, he's going to be the greatest man that the world has ever known. In fact, that's what Jesus would say. And in order for this great man to be born, he needed to have a great role model to follow. Could it be that the reason why God was taking so long in Zechariah was because he was making him to be the kind of man that would raise John the Baptist become the man that God wanted him to be in order to prepare ye the way of the Lord. Could it be, man, you, we, don't, we don't understand, but the waiting. If we could have eyes of faith to see that sometimes God working in us is going to have ripple effects that will impact entire generations. Man, then it wouldn't, we wouldn't, I wouldn't complain as much. I wouldn't pout as much. If I knew that the reason why these long prayed prayers are not being answered the way that I want is because God is doing something in me that couldn't be accomplished in any other way. And maybe, just maybe, God is doing something in my heart that is going to reach out to more people than I know. And maybe it's the same thing with us also. That God's wanting to do something in us that's far more about the miracle that we're praying for and so much broader and so much bigger than things that we know. So God says, listen, I'm going to give you this child. And so for all of these years of being faithful, that moment when the angel comes, and, and I don't know if when's the last time you've seen an angel, but in the Middle East, right, people talk about seeing angels and visions all the time. Right? So this, you know, if you're here, you don't go to church, you might be saying, this is weird, this is crazy stuff. But I, I, I tell you, and I could, I could share countless emails and testimonies of people in the Middle East right now, and, and especially in, in Muslim countries or in, in Africa, who are seeing these visions and dreams of people that are coming to know the Lord Jesus through it. And so this vision, this angel comes, Gabriel, and he says, I'm going to give you a kid. He's like, how can this be? And so he expresses this disbelief. It's possible for us, even in our faithfulness, to have these moments of doubt, isn't it? These lapses of doubt and disbelief. And so he did. And because of it, he says, a child is still going to be born. But he says in verse 20, here's, your, here's what's going to happen. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, 
because you did not believe my words, which will come true at the proper time. For some of us, this, is, this would be really, 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 really bad news if you couldn't talk. For some people, you know, you, you don't talk much, and that's not that bad a punishment. But for some people, this is huge. Why? What is, why, why? Of all things, he could have given him a leprous hand. He could have, I, of all the things that he could have done, he can't talk. You know, when, have you ever had a time when you, when you can't talk? I don't think anything like this ever happened to any of us, but you're playing a game maybe. <laughs> First person to talk loses. I do this with Manny and Elijah sometimes. It's, it's not a good game because they think it's, you know, my, my thing is, okay, first person talk loses a game. I'm trying to get them to sleep. Just be quiet so you can sleep. They think, oh, my gosh, I want to be the first one to talk because they've got, if they can't talk, you know, it's like wet paint, don't touch. They want to touch it. You can't talk, so they're waiting, and they're, like, giggling, and they're laughing. And, and as long as they're not saying something, they think they're being okay, but it's worse. My plan is backfiring. They're not sleeping. They're like, it's like they're about to get this look on their face like they're going to explode. And then they're like, okay, daddy, I lost. I was the first one to talk. And they're laughing and laughing and laughing. And it prolongs their sleep 10 minutes long. It's just everything is going to haywire. But do you ever have a time like that where you can't talk? When you're kids and and you and your friends say the same thing at the same time, you say, ah, jinx, you owe me a Coke. You can't talk until I say your name 10 times, something like that. What happens when you can't talk? The very thing that you cannot do is the one thing you most want to do. I think part of what God is doing in Zechariah is he's putting a fire in his soul for all these months not being able to talk. He's just got his miracle. You get a miracle. You've been praying for 30 years for something. You get that. You want to you, you tell the world. Tell everybody of all the things that God has done in your life. He wants to talk, but he can't. So when finally his mouth is loosed, you, you, see, the, you see the song that he sings at the end of uh, Luke, verses, uh, uh, chapter 1, verse 67 through, through 80. It's this beautiful, prophetic song of worship, giving glory to God. And it just spews out of it. There's a fire in my heart, and it burns for you. Never going to fade away. We are the free, and yours is the glory. There's a fire in his heart. You ever had that kind of a fire in your heart that I can't, I, I need to get out. I need to talk about God. When I, see, when I see God move, I need to get out and I need to talk. Sometimes, you know, we plan our mission trips to miss as few Sundays as possible. And so that usually means that I get back on a Friday or a Thursday or, or a Saturday. And, and a lot of times my temptation for my own desire is just ha- I'll have somebody else preach. That Sunday I get back. But as I see the move of God, I see the work of God, I'm like, man, I can't. I need to get up there. I need to testify. There's a fire in my soul. There's a fire to get out there and to testify to the things that I've seen. That's what God is doing in Zechariah. Because here, a lot of times here, a lot of times what happens, we pray for something, we pray for something, we pray for something, we get that something, and then we forget to give praise to God. Ten lepers in Luke, healed by Jesus, they run off. Only one guy came back 
to Jesus. The temptation for all of us to get something from God, no matter how great the miracle is, and then to forget about it. Can you believe lepers being healed of their spots and not going back to thank the one who did it? And God said, listen, Zechariah, I don't want you to be like that. I want you to be able to have this uncontainable fire in your soul that goes and tells people where this gift came from. Because when you do, you're going to give birth to a son. And your son John is going to have that same kind of a fire in his soul. And the message that John the baptizer went preaching was the same message. Zechariah, they said, what's the name of your child going to be? Usually they expect it to be named after the son, after the father. He said, no, it's not going to be named after me. His name is going to be John. He was a gift from God. Right? Don't look at me. This ain't about me. I ain't some great dude who had a kid at 80. It's not about me. This is the work of God. And it's the same thing that his son said. And John the Baptist said, it's not about me. In fact, the very first thing that John the Baptist came out of the wilderness saying, the first thing that's recorded in the Gospel of John, he said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. See, that's the message of Christmas. That's the message of Advent. That's the longing of the soul, that there is one who's come to be the forgiver of our sins. He's come to be the incarnation of every hope and longing and dream of the people of God. This is your Savior King. He's coming to the world. This Christmas, this Advent, are you longing? Have you been praying? Are you waiting? Are you watching? Come to God, the promise maker. He is the promise keeper. Uh, He will finish what he began. Let's pray. As much as you, I'm waiting for my miracle too. Let's come before the Lord God, the one who is faithful, the one who is true the one who will finish what he began in us. And we pray to ask the Lord God, Lord, help me to be faithful. What does that mean for you? What kind of a commitment do you and I need to make in order to be faithful to the Lord God? Faithfulness is the best preparation for a miracle. Let's pray, Lord, help me to be faithful. And and maybe some of us, as we're, we're seeking to be faithful, but we're waiting to see what God is doing in us. Can we pray? Lord, make me clay that is moldable, malleable, in order that I might be shaped, in order that you might work on me, in me, in order to do what you desire to accomplish in my life. Can we pray for just a half a minute right now? As we pray for that before the Lord God.
those who have been baptized, confirmed, as we prepare to come to the Lord's table. Can we uh, pray to the Lord God that our hearts would be cleansed of any wrongdoing, any unfaithfulness, any idolatry within our own hearts. Surrender this before the Lord God. We want to come to the table in a manner worthy of the one whose body and blood was broken and shed for us. Spend some time in confession and repentance as need be. If we confess our sins, the grace of God is such that he is faithful and just. He will forgive us. He will purify us from all unrighteousness. Let's come and let's confess and let's repent and let's choose Christ greater than our sins, greater than our failures. Let's pray for a moment and then I'll pray and we'll continue. heaven, many of us, if not all of us, hope for and long for some kind of a miracle in our lives. It's a personal battle that we're facing, a struggle that we have. It's a family member who's going down a path that is constantly leading them to destruction. People that we know who's hope once burned bright and clear has grown dim and they're losing a sense of hope. Friends in our lives who don't believe and are fearful of the world around them. The doctor's diagnosis that has left us dumbfounded and in shock and we're praying that God would do a miracle each of us, like Zechariah, comes in to this place carrying a heart filled with desires and longings. We pray, Lord God, that you who are the miracle maker, the promise keeper, that you would do that in our lives. And as you do, that you would help us not to come with just simply a posture of wanting you would help us to come with a posture of open surrender to you in order that we would realize that maybe the greatest work is not the miracle that we pray for, but the greater work is the work that you do in us. So Father, help us, mold us, make us into who you want us to be. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for hearing our prayers. We love you, Father you have loved us first. We pray all these things in Jesus' name.